The following is a presentation of the Eagles Sports Network. Welcome into another edition of Mossy Creek Conversations, the Carson Newman podcast, where we discuss the history and success of Carson Newman Athletics. And I'm honored to be joined today by Dr. Gene Love, former tennis coach and tennis player at Carson Newman University. Dr. Love, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule and even your schedule as an educator now uh, to join me today. Well, it's, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Dr. Love, we were talking earlier before you grew up here in Jefferson City. And before we get to how Carson Newman has changed over the years, just how's the town of Jefferson City? Still a relatively small town, of course, but how has it grown in the past few years? It, it's, it's out of control now. <laughs> I know there are many people who would laugh at that because um, it's, still, it's still a small city, small town. But um, having lived in some large cities, for a few years in my life and then watching and then of course being here as a as a kid and growing up here it's it's unbelievable it's unbelievable now and uh, it it definitely is not the same place that it was um, it's hard even now to imagine it without a McDonald's but guess what <laughs> there was a time when there was no McDonald's there was a big white house that sat on that corner but uh, so anyway it has changed like a lot of things so growing up here, of course, you had Carson Newman was here um, the entire time you've been here. And you started to get an interest in tennis when you were young, thanks to a coach here at Carson Newman, Buddy Kyle, who the courts are named after. Um, how did that relationship start off with your interest in tennis? Well, that was probably the start of it. Um, uh, my parents and I lived in the same neighborhood as the Catlets. And um, they had uh, basically, obviously they were into tennis, but um, Buddy Catlett gave me a racket and wanted to have at least, I guess, at least one little girl in Jefferson <laughs> City play tennis. And so that's kind of how it all began. And, and I began taking tennis lessons over at the city courts um, during the summers. Uh, the tennis coach at UT would come up and basically kids would line up from eight in the morning until probably eight in, at night taking tennis lessons and um, it just kind of started from there and I guess kind of got out of hand but I, then I went on to Knoxville for more tennis lessons and then started competing in tournaments uh, but it did all start with Buddy Catlett. And so you grow up you learn from Coach Catlett here um, and you start to develop your career and it comes time you know you got to decide where you want to go to college did you always think you were going to just stay inside of Jefferson City and go to Carson Newman? Well, probably not, not really. I don't really think I thought about it that much. At that time, it, it wasn't as, I don't think it was as big a deal going to college and signing a scholarship. It just wasn't quite that big a deal at the time. It was, uh, it's been a long time ago, a little different culture then. But also, especially for women, um, you, you really didn't have much of a, a choice. There weren't many collegiate athletic programs uh, for women. but. Um, I had, uh, I, I was recruited uh, by Carson Newman, but I was recruited by Austin P and University of Tennessee Knoxville. And um, it, I, I guess I just decided I wanted to be a big fish in a small pond. And, uh, and, and so that was kind of what I chose. And it, it turned out to be the right fit for me. Uh, because I was able to develop my game here just as I would have if I'd gone to an Austin P or, or UT Knoxville. 
Um, I, I don't think the development of my game hurt at all because I was, it was this was just a good environment um, for me and it was just a good fit and so um, but yeah I wanted to be a big fish in a little pond. And a big fish in a little pond you were 1981 your number one seed in the NAIA tournament. Um, big time year for you and the Carson Newman tennis program. What do you remember from that just historic run? Well, <laughs> it's when you say historic run, it makes it makes me feel like I'm old, and then I think, <laughs> well, maybe because I am a little old. Yeah, not a lot, but a little. Um, I don't know. We were just kind of doing our thing, um, you know, enjoying playing tennis, and and I had some good teammates. Uh, Coach Pinkerton was awesome. Uh, we were just kind of doing our thing, and. And that time, that particular year, uh, the 80-81 school year, talking about history, that was, that was the first time the NAIA uh, ever held an intercollegiate uh, tennis from the district through the national tournament in particular for women. Um, so it was a big deal. I mean, this was the first national tournament ever in the NAI for women's tennis. And, um, and then to go out there and find out that you were the, the number one seed, um, there's a funny story about how Coach Pinkerton broke the news to me because he didn't want it to freak me out. <laughs> and um, so he... <laughs> He came by the the hotel. He came back to the hotel and, and took me and another one of the players um, down down the block and went, we went to this ice cream store like we were going to get ice cream and we did. But then that's when he proceeded to tell me, and it's just like it just kind of blew me. It really did blow me away, um, but it didn't freak me out. But it was like wow, you know. Um, Later on that evening, I, I had some alone time, and, and <laughs> that's when I called back home and talked to my mother and said, you're never going to believe this. <laughs> you got to help me out here. What's going on here? You know. So anyway, but, uh, but it, it was all good. Um, and uh, we, we just, I, I don't know if, we, it's not like when you're in the midst of all of that, you, you think about that, you know, 40 years later, you're going to be still remembering it and talking about it. But um, uh, we were just we were just doing our thing, loving loving life and loving tennis. Okay. <laughs> um, then of course, two years later, we talk about another great run that you had, 1983, a run to the Sweet 16 in the NAIA tournament. Um, what did you learn from that 81 season that kind of helped you move forward in 82 and in, in 83 to make that run? Well, um, first of all. I think one of the things you learn is just the level of competition and what it's going to take. And if this is something you really want to do, this is the kind of dedication, the kind of effort that it's going to take. Also, I think you learn, because you, you know it is going to take that amount of time and effort, is you've got to decide if, you, if that's what you really want. And do you really want to spend that much time? Because when you do that, in order to spend that much time working on your craft and perfecting it, and that kind of being one of your, your, your total focus of a lot of days is that means you, you kind of have to give some things up um, to do that. So it, I think that was a big thing. Um, I, and probably the next 
big thing that it taught me is I needed to get better control over my mental approach to the game. And that was, prob that was probably the biggest thing because that's what really let me down in, in 82. In 81, um, I, I, was, I was having a good run and, and until I got injured. Um, and I, of course, I could continue to play. It's not like it was gonna get any worse, but it surely hampered mobility and that eventually caught up with me. And then in 83, it just seems like everything kind of, kind of came together. And uh, actually that year, uh, had, a, had a good tournament run all the way through um, until the semis that year. And so, uh, and, and really in, in, the, in the, that semifinal match, just I, I ran into somebody who just, it wasn't that I played so bad. Um, no, I mean, I ran into the eventual champion of the tournament and she was, she just was playing really well lights out. It was real interesting. Every year, the person I lost to either won the tournament or they were in the finals of the tournament. It's like, okay. So, uh, but anyway, had a good run and had, had a good run those years in doubles as well. Um, first with a, a hometown, hometown, uh, person too, a friend I grew up with, Robin Wright, we had a good run. Um, Connie Schwartz, uh, she was from Florida my, my senior year, because um, Robin had graduated a year earlier, but uh, we had a good run that year. Um, Connie and I, we, we complimented each other very well in what I did well, what she did well. Um, and so it was, like I said, it was, it was good. It was, it was all good. Um, I guess when you look back on it, everything's always probably all good, but it, it really it really was a special time. But at the time you're going through it, you're too young, you know. You don't you don't really think much about that. You're just doing what you love to do with a bunch of, with a bunch of teammates that you love being around. You mentioned your doubles career, still single school still record, yes, yeah, still record <laughs> holding on there. 88 career doubles wins. It's incredible stat to see. Um, with Robin and Connie as your partners, what were you just had just had great chemistry with each other, and what was the relationship like, not just on the court but off the court as well? Well, um, in doubles, really, you you don't have to have necessarily the two best players, but there's a certain way to play doubles. There's a certain strategy you need to use. Um, in singles, you can use many different strategies and be successful. In doubles, not so much. So that's one thing. And the other thing is how you mesh with that other person and how you communicate. Robin and I grew up together in Jefferson City. We played doubles in high school. Um, I, I mean, we just, you know, so we've been friends. We lived next door to each other growing up. And so I, with, with Robin, it's after a while, it just got to be like, we just thought, like she knew what I was going to do, I knew what she was going to do, and I think that helped us um, tremendously. Um, with Connie, it was you know really you know didn't have as much experience playing with her, but with Connie, once again, it was a good mesh of what she could do well, what I could do well, and we really did hit it off, and we're, we're friends. Not we, we you know we weren't just good communicators and partners and teammates, but we were friends off the court as well. And so that, that all really helped. Um, 
And I don't know, sometimes, you know, when you just get the right mix of, of people and we kind of knew what we were doing mm -hmm. and, you know, we had this connection and a lot of times you can probably do a little bit better than what your individual talents suggest that you can. Um, during your time, Jeff City, first time, Coach Callie, of course, Coach you when you're younger, Coach Pinkerton, Coach you while you're here at Carson Newman. You know, you hear a lot about the players, former alumni, when they come back and talk about how the, much of an impact their coaches left on them. What's the impact Coach Cowley and Coach Pinkerton left on you? Oh, I, wow. There, there's no doubt. Um, I had some other coaches as well from, from Coach Catlett to some coaches I had in my time in Knoxville um, with Tom Mosier and, and Lewis Royal, Del Silvia, and then uh, Coach Pinkerton kind of took over more at, at, you know, when I got to college and everything. But I think, first of all, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done any of this, you know, without, without those people who not only knew tennis, but they loved tennis. And um, I could, in terms of tennis, I could take various things away from each of those experiences, the individual people and the experiences. Um, the one thing that was kind of a commonality, though, I think, is the fact that they were committed to you and wanted you to be the best you could be. Um, and, and they were willing to put in the extra time and effort on the coaching part of it to, to set the scenario or the, or, or, or the environment where you could be successful and draw the best out of you. And um, that's, it's, and so, so therefore it's, you know, I, I, that's, that's all about relationship. And uh, that's probably one of the biggest things that um, I, I, is one of my biggest takeaways from my time as a player and as a coach is that this sport thing we do is about more than just winning and losing. There are other ways to be successful in doing the sport thing and one of them is the relationships you can develop with other people and how you help other people through your gifts and your talents and um, those those individuals those were the, those were the folks who uh, you know instilled that the importance of relationship, loving what you do, the dedication that you brought to it. Um, and so that just, and just the fact that, you know, the, and they were there not just for me, but they were there for other people, you know, as well to, to help them be the best they could be. And, and, and that's, after all of these years, you know, that's what I've, I think it really is just that simple, you know, and that surpasses. It's nice to win, yes, but that 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 relationship survives winning, losing, and anything else. So that's that's the deal. So finish your career as a player, Carson Newman. Inside, go off and get your PhD at Missouri. Um, after a while, you come back and you say, and you come back as the tennis coach here at Carson Newman. How was that course set up? How were you contacted about? And then did you ever plan on coming back to Jefferson City after you graduated? Well, I, I guess I'll start with, did I ever want to come back to Jefferson City? 
I, frankly, I thought probably when I graduated, you know, I was, I'm getting out of here. You know <laughs> what I mean? Not, not, not anything is Jeff City or Carson Newman for sure, but you know, it's just, you're young and, and you know, I, I think at that time I thought I wanted to head into the fitness and wellness hospital based. And so um, I had a professor here at Carson Newman that opened uh, some doors of connection at Peabody College of Vanderbilt, who, and they were starting a health promotion exercise science master's program at the time. There weren't a whole lot of them at that, at that time. Um, and so that, that door opened, and that was a great experience. I got uh, practically almost all the way through <laughs> that master's program and had a great internship set up that was probably going to turn into a full-time job at a, at a corporation in Nashville to, to be in it as their uh, uh, fitness wellness person along with it. They had already hired a doctor and a nurse and they were getting ready to build a fitness facility there. And I don't know, it's just, it's one of those things where as much as I love that, I just knew that, that, that I missed sport and I needed to get back into sport. So that's kind of what I did. I volunteered my time to coach at uh, David Lipscomb my last semester. Um, the, their head coach, women's coach, had remembered me from the day. And uh, so I got my first taste of maybe what college coaching would be like. And that's pretty much what I decided to do. So after I graduated, um, I really did try to find a coaching job. <laughs> I sent out, I sent out, you know, some resumes and everything, and they loved the degree I had. You know, oh, I love that master's degree, but I didn't have any coaching experience. So I, I got a few nimbles, but no job. And so that's when I kind of packed up and came home because I was trying to do two part-time jobs to be full-time and try to make enough money to live on my own. And I'm going, this is not going to work for very long. So anyway, that's where I came back to Carson Newman and actually volunteered to get more coaching experience. I helped with Coach Pinkerton for, uh, I guess, a year, year and a half, maybe two, um, and uh, then made a decision to go on and, and get the, uh, to get a doctoral degree. Um, and when I did that, uh, I finally, I wound up coming back here toward the end of my doctoral program. And at that time, I was at uh, LSU, uh, going to do that doctoral program and finish that up. And um, there was, I got wind of the coaching opening here for men's and women's tennis at the time. Um, it was advertised as, as both. And so I decided, well, you know, the last time I did this thing, they love my degree, but I didn't have enough experience, and I'll have a little bit more experience under my belt. But um, so I came back, I interviewed for the job, and I got the job. And so I just transferred back to UT Knoxville. And for my first few years coaching here, I was also basically a doctoral student at UT, finishing up that degree. And then that led right into teaching and coaching here at Carson Newman. And I guess I never left. <laughs> go back talk about first few years you were taking doctorate classes while coaching here and there are several times you hear about students who are master students they take classes mm -hmm. while playing um, you talk about undergrad of course you're a student athlete and that 
Right. You know the pressures that are on the athletes to succeed mm-hmm. on and off the field and the court. Um, what, how did you try to, uh, first for yourself, for mental health, to kind of get yourself in line, and how did you kind of help your players out when you were coaching? Well, um, first of all, I guess, and, and not everybody's like this, but I was always just, I guess, kind of curious, I, especially about things that I was interested in. <laughs> Maybe not all the coursework that I took at Carson Newman was I really interested in, but I knew how to manage my time, okay? And I was a very routine-oriented person, probably still am. That's the way I can manage my time and get my work done, yet stay sane. Um, but I found that that was, uh, uh, then when I got into, obviously when I got into coaching here intercollegiately, and you know, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I help the athletes out very much, but I just talked a lot about, uh, you know, setting priorities or setting goals and, and developing good time management skills and, and asking for help when you need it. Um, it, you know, a lot of people, it's, it's tough sometimes for some of us, especially us athletes, and we're rough and tough, <laughs> and we can do anything we set our minds to, you know. Sometimes it's hard to ask for help, but there's times when you need to, and you need to let somebody help you. But, um, and so I don't really know. I have a feeling I didn't help my athletes out quite that much <laughs> because it seemed like a lot of my athletes were already on top of things, okay, already. So, and I kind of, you know, it's like, you know, good athletes, they perform well on court. They make us coaches look really good regardless <laughs> of what we've done. And, you know, the same way, if you have good student athletes, you know, they, make, they made me look good too, regardless of what I had done. Um, so, uh, but I, I just, it, once again, it's just about, you know, what are your priorities? What do you really want? What do you, you know, what do you want out of this? Let's set some goals. Let's develop some time management skills. And, and then they, they, they pretty much took it and, and kind of ran with it, you know. And um, so I don't, you know, is there any magic words? Not really. That's another thing I've learned in coaching is there are very few magic words, you know. It's just a lot of hard work and being able to communicate with people in, in, in whatever way that works best for them. Um, but uh, there aren't. A whole lot of magic words you can say that that turn the tide from being way over here to all of a sudden going way over here. You know, there's little increments along the way, but uh, teachable moments too. There's always teachable moments in sport as in life. So, so as a coach, start season success, late '90s. You with your own team makes another Sweet 16 run on their mm-hmm. own. Um, what, was, what do you remember from that team that year and just how they were able to make their own run? Well, first of all, I would say they were, they, well, they, they were a, a good team tennis-wise. They, were, uh, they, had, they had the talent to do it um, compared to, at that time, compared to some of the other teams that we were playing against. Um, I, you know, and it's like, um, it was one of those things for like as soon as uh, it, it wasn't easy. There were, you know, we had to we had to go through some losses and learn some things. We had to learn some things about each other mm-hmm. along the way, um, and so it was one of those things where 
for whatever reason, when, when it started to click a little bit, um, one success kind of led to another, kind of led to another, kind of led to another, and then your confidence grows. Um, and I, the, the, the one thing that I, that I really remember um, about that whole case scenario, it was, it, was, it was a great run, it was great fun. Um, we wound up in the first round of the national tournament in the regional in that first couple of rounds at a regional site at the regional final, we wound up playing Elon. Mm -hmm. And we had to move indoors. It was at Elon, but it rained, so we had to move indoors. And so there weren't as many fans there. Um, but also, we had played them in the regular season, and we had beat them in the regular season, but one of their top-level players was injured and missing from that match. So um, at that time, I had a graduate assistant, and Miller helping me and we kind of put our heads together and we figured we need to we need to do something a little different you know they've already seen us once but we need to do something a little different and the best way we we thought we could make a difference in that match was in doubles mm -hmm. so what we did is uh, we kind of left our number one doubles team alone okay they pretty much played traditional doubles um, and, and they, were, they were holding their own quite well. At two and three, we felt like we needed to try something different. And so we started, we, we worked, uh, you know, about a week or so leading into that match. We, I mean, we hit the doubles court and we, we kind of worked on uh, playing some different doubles formations. Um, and at that time, not a lot of women's doubles were really doing that. And um, so, and, and, and it, we, we did get some buy-in, some commitment from the players on it too. So we went into that regional final, okay, and we used this different double strategy for at two and three doubles, and it wound up winning us both of those matches, whereas if we had not, I don't know if we could have won those, but we wound, we wound up winning at two and three, and then we won at one, and we swept the doubles. and. That, that was the turning point. Um, but that's something I remember because um, it, was really, it was really interesting. Uh, on one of those courts, one of those doubles courts, um, one of the teams of, of, of our, our team um, was playing the old traditional way, and that's what we talked about. We can't do that. We've, and so they were down 4-1, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't play <laughs> we, we taught them some different formations, you know, and they, well, they wouldn't play that way and set the changeover. You know, number three was going gangbusters. They were doing it, you know. Number one was in, in and I just said, listen, I said, we've worked on this all week. Why, why will you all not do this? And, you know, was, oh, I, and I just said, I just don't want to hear about it anymore, okay? I said, Let, let's just give it a try. Okay, try it for at least two games, okay, for me, just try it. Okay, you're already down 4-1, okay, how much worse can it get? I mean, so they went out there and they reluctantly, and they won two games in a row, <laughs> continued to play that format, and came back from 4-1 down to win 8-5. And so it's like, you know, and I just, I, some, some people who coach will understand, it's just <laughs> like you feel like you're 
banging your head against the wall and going, oh, why won't you do this? Okay, but anyway, so um, that may have been the only time ever in my coaching career where there was a magic word. <laughs> and, that was, and that was just a simple change in strategy. But as most coaches know, you can do that, but your players at some point in time, they got to buy into it. And, and that was one of those times where I'm just going, thank you, God, that they, <laughs> they finally did something I asked them to do. Anyway. Um, continuing on in your career, there's been so much change at Carson Newman there in your career, moving up from NAI to D2, one of the big ones as well. Um, but, you know, probably new courts as well. Facilities have been upgraded like crazy around here. Like the, build, the room we're in right now probably sure. was, hasn't been here for long. How have you seen Carson Newman grow, and what are just some of like the big changes that kind of blow your mind? If you went back to yourself when you first got on campus here, that you could not believe that you've seen. Well, for one thing, you I, I could not have foreseen the MSAC, the Manic Student Activity Center building. All I remember from growing up here in Jefferson City and from being a student here was, of course, Holt Fieldhouse. Okay. Um, so if when Holt Fieldhouse got the renovation and the new part was added onto it, for for those who know what the old Holt Fieldhouse looked like, not just the you know entrance basketball court, but the underneath where at that time only male locker rooms were, okay, and then there was a swimming pool <laughs> underneath, okay. If you knew that, and then you, the first time I ever walked into the MSAC and the renovated Holt Fieldhouse, uh, yeah, <laughs> talk about being blown away. It's just like, oh my gosh. As a matter of fact, my office here in, in, in the MSAC um, is uh, unique. And I had a choice of offices in that suite. Um, and I chose this office because it's probably, I think it's the only office in this building that's in the MSAC that's like that. I have three different walls, okay? I have the old cinder block wall, okay? Then I have the just drywall kind of stuff, but there's one wall that's brick, and it's not cinder block, but it's a smaller brick, and it's, 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 the, it's the outside wall of the old Holt Fieldhouse that was on the north side of the building. For those that remember, on the north side of the building where's the little drive you came in and you could park. There was a row of parking, <laughs> angled parking, and then there was some parallel parking right up to it. it was a railing with like a little drop off and then you had the building. Well, that wall in my office is one, is, is the old Holt Fieldhouse. Okay, the office next to me doesn't have that. The office on the other side of me doesn't have that. So. Um, that's, that's, that's my, every time I walk into that office and I think about that, and then I've got pictures of even when I was a player, team pictures, and, and most of my teams that I can fit in there now. Um, it's just, uh, I, once again, I just think about relationships with people. And frankly, my relationship with Carson Newman from growing up here to, to now having it been a place where I've basically made my career and uh, it just sometimes sometimes I just sit around and look at it and oh, man, it's, man I, how in the world did this happen and where does all the time go um, but uh, I 
I really, I, I, I really, I know I haven't been perfect. I've made mistakes, but I don't regret um, the time I've spent here at all. And I just, uh, at, you know, at some point in time, I guess, it's probably, it's probably sounds like I'm old and I am getting older, but it, you know, it feels like that, that I've, uh, hopefully I've been able to do what God placed me here to do. And in that respect, I, I, um, I've got no regrets and I'm at a sense of peace with that. Continuing on in your career as a coach here, you're in early 2000s, you're well into Division Two in the South Atlantic Conference. And then just this team goes on another great run, the women's team winning the South Atlantic Conference tournament. And also you're named Coach of the Year for the South Atlantic Conference. Um, how did it feel, one, for your team to make that run, and two, you get named Coach of the Year for the entire conference? Well, <laughs> that team was uh, another special team. Um, very much different from some of the other teams I had that, and, and for the, most of the time, even if we didn't get to the NCAAs or, we, you know, we were still, you know, we, we, we had, we, we were a decent team. People had, uh, you know, they had, when they came to play us, they had to come to play. Okay, we're, you know, we weren't gonna roll over and play dead. So, uh, but that team, and I guess it was, it was actually 08 and 09, those two years, uh, that women's team uh, was, was once again another unique team. Um, they didn't necessarily maybe have to, and, and, and this is something you learn too, is you don't necessarily have to be best buds off the court and you do everything together 24-7, but when, but when you come together, you, you, you enjoy being with that group of people. Um, even when times are not good, you, you want to be with those people to work together through those bad times or through those difficult times. And um, we had some great characters, we had some good leadership, and I, I you know, I, I guess I could sit here and take the credit for it, but I can't. Okay, once again, that was, that was something that just happens, okay, when, uh, you know, for whatever reason it happens, I wish there was a formula, you know, then you could just repeat that formula every year and you'd win everything every year. Um, that happens very rarely in this life. Every once in a while, teams seem to be, seem to be able every year just to reload or, mm -hmm. you know, but uh, that does happen. But for the vast majority of us, it doesn't really work that way, <laughs> you know. And so that was just another special group of people at the, at the right place at the right time. Um, we were able to stay with some continuity over that time too, and really only probably the, the at least in 09, uh, 08 was a, a good year too. We got to the finals, you know, of the conference and just quite couldn't do it. But in the next year we were able to add one more piece to that puzzle. And, um, uh, and so I, it just, once again, it turned into, like you say, it, to, it was another magical ride. I'm not sure, I'm not sure exactly what all the, the moving parts were to it. <laughs> But um, that turned out to be a, a, a real, uh, yeah, just a, a real f a fun time, a fun group of people. And um, uh, it was, and it was a lot of fun to watch him play too. You continue your career for a couple more years and then finally a few years ago you decided to hang it up. Yeah. Um, what was the ultimate decision behind deciding to retire from coaching? Ooh, well, 
I guess the only, the only way I can put it to you is um, it was just apparent to me at least that, that it was time. Um, it was a very hard decision, gut-wrenching decision to make, and it wasn't made overnight for sure. Uh, as a matter of fact, I don't, I really, going into that, that, that school year of 17, 18, I, 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 that was not, that was not in my plan. Um, as that year unfolded, some, uh, and, and also, uh, I guess, it, I just, I, I finally came to the realization, number one, is that my priorities have to change. Um, I'm a caregiver for an elderly parent and I had begun to start uh, missing a lot of practices and maybe even matches because, I, you know, I get up in the morning and there's something more important that I need to be taken care of and the person I need to be helping out. And, um, you know, I, it's like, I just, I, I, I hated that. I mean, it really, it really tugged at me. It was very stressful. Um, also, you know, I've, I've been doing this for 30 years. Um, I've, you know, I've, I've had a great run. Um, it's time for somebody else to have the opportunity that I had um, to come here to a place like Carson Newman, if that's where they want to be, you know. Um, and I said, you know, I just, I think I've done, I think I've done all I can do and I really do think it's time for somebody younger um, to come in and have their shot at it. They can, you know, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm trying to, uh, I'm being pulled in too many different directions here between home and here. And um, that, that it's time for somebody younger to come in uh, or somebody with a, you know, that, that has a renewed passion and energy and, and get this thing going um, and, and have their chance at it. I mean, I, you know, there were, uh, the, the last few years, there were several times where we were just almost right there or we were just one piece away and we just never could quite get over the hump. And um, I guess, you know, I thought, well, I've just, I've done all I know to do. Um, there's some things I can't change. You know, there's some things that are always out of your control. And it would be nice to be able to control some of those things that help you be more successful. Um, and there's some things that you can control. And um, of those things I, I could control, um, I, you know, I, I just was being pulled in two different, and I didn't feel like that I was really, could really give it the time and attention it needed. Um, and so it just kind of all came to a head. And uh, it's almost like one day, I, you know, I just heard God tell me it's, it's time. You know what I mean? It's time. You've got some other priorities. It, it's time. You've done, you've, you, you have, you've done everything that you could do. You, you've tried to do this the best that you could and you've tried to help other people and it's just time. So that's kind of, not, it's not a very fancy story, but that's, that's pretty much the thought process um, that went into it. It's, and, and that's the thought process that'll, that'll go into um, my time uh, as a, as a uh, teaching now. As I, I was fortunate enough, um, Carson Newman decided they would allow me to continue as, you know, as a full-time um, person uh, in academics. I had always been teaching 
12 to 14 semester hours a year serving on faculty committees and then I had this other full-time tennis gig <laughs> you know so but they were they were happy for me to stay on um, but I've also realized that there's a, a time for everything too and my teaching career is uh, coming to a close um, at the end of this school year uh, 21-22 I will be retiring from full-time academics as well um, and I, once again, I, I, don't re I wasn't really planning it right now. I, I knew it was coming in the near future. Um, but once again, um, it's, it's just time. And I have, I, have a, I have a sneaking suspicion that God's got something else for me to do. I don't think it'll be another full-time job, <laughs> but he's not quite done with me yet. And he's got maybe something else in line for me, but it sure will. Um, it, it sure will help me to be able to to be more more there when my my mother needs me but with this last year year and a half two years now with covid and trying to stay healthy and still wanting to be in connection with these students i'm not i'm not real good at the online stuff i, I mean i can do it but i don't I just don't know how to create relationships online and it's just been very stressful and and it, it's time it's time talk about when you first started NAIA Women's Tournament. That was the first ever NAIA Women's Tournament. Boy has grown for women exponentially the past few years. Recently, now with Carson Newman Women's Tennis Team, Anna Carla Resende made a run for the ITA Regional Final in the fall. How has seeing this game grow for women, just how have you seen that happen over the years at the college and at the international level as well? It's 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 really almost hard to imagine because um, I've I've been uh, I, I guess probably in the right place at the right time when I came up um, in terms of entering college. Although for women, the college scholarship and the whole scene and the opportunities you have were sure not like they are today. Okay, when I started in college, I mean they were uh, in most places. Um, at least at Carson Newman, there were basically three intercollegiate sports, okay? So you had volleyball, basketball, and tennis, pretty much. Um, there might be other club sports or intramural sports, and it was, it was pretty much the same. Not, you know, e even at larger universities, there, there, there were not the options collegiately to play sport as there are now. Okay, so that's just blown me away. The amount of money involved that it takes to do that and the money involved in sport at all levels is, is insane. Mm -hmm. It's insane. Um, I, I remember when I was here at Carson Newman, um, Coach Pinkerton's wife made our skirts, <laughs> made our uniforms uh, one year. Um, we don't do that anymore, you know. <laughs> um, so, and from the way we traveled, uh, you know, it's it's just it's just unbelievable how different it is. And, and you know, in respects, that's given a lot of, especially women, more opportunities to do what they enjoy to do and to actually, you know, get an education too at the college level. And we've got a lot of uh, international students now in our in, in the sport of tennis, but in all sports really. And and um, if 
if you're if you're coming from another country here to participate in intercollegiate athletics, you, you know, it didn't dawn on me until well, why are they doing that? And well, guess what? Because in the educational system there, it's much different. Okay, is you don't play college sports. <laughs> and so this is obviously, this is a great opportunity, not just for women, but internationally to, to continue to play a sport that you love and, and also get an education because um, at the level that uh, here at Carson Newman, um, I mean, we're, we're not really gonna look into to grow professional tennis players, okay? Um, uh, I, 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 dabbled a little bit of that in my college career and playing a couple of kind of minor league tournaments and everything and oh boy <laughs> there's there's a difference in the level of competition and so I, I decided that probably wasn't real realistic for me some kids here think it is but mm, very few but I've seen not just women's sports grow but sport in general and just the uh, the, the insanity that it is now, you know what I mean? It's, it's crazy, it's crazy. Um, back in the day, you know, teaching 12 to 14 hours a year, serving on faculty committees, doing the, the NAI skit, you know, it was, it was halfway doable. Um, the move to the NCAA, oh my gosh, I mean, it's incredible. I, 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 I try to tell people this all the time. When you think of a, an iceberg, you know, there's a big part of that iceberg that's underneath the water that you never see. Well, that's coaching. You know, you may see a coach at the court or on the field on game day and da 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 da, but that's just the tip, okay? There's so much. And being at a small school like this, I mean, not only was I the coach, I was the bus driver. I had to make all the lodging arrangements. You know, I'm in, I'm in purchasing and inventory. So, you know, it's just, uh, it, 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 got, it got to be quite a lot, you know, but that's just how sport has changed. Sometimes I think it's for the better and there's other things about it that I don't think so much of. Well, I'll leave you with this as you prepare to retire from Carson and full time. What would you say to your younger self? good about the time at Carson Newman University and what this university has done for you? Well, I guess, I, I, I guess I'd probably have to say to my younger self as a Carson Newman student is don't wish your time away. Don't wish that you were about done. Don't wish that you're getting ready to get out of this place, you know, and, I, you know, don't, don't wish your time away. Um, I, but I, I think, I, I don't know that you can tell a younger self that. I, I think it's just the natural process of, of life and growing and maturing. Um, and like I said, back in, back in the day when we were doing our thing and loving it and, you know, what a great life. You know, you get to come to school, you get to play tennis, you, you, then you go to class, then you play tennis, you, <laughs> you know. You don't really have a, a care in the world, it, it, so it seems, but you just, you know, you don't realize it at the time, what, what, what a blessing it is. Um, and I guess what I mean by that is, is that, you, you, I, I guess as you can look back, you, you kind of see how 
God has, has, has weaved his plan through a lot of things that you did in your life. Some of them were some really easy things. Some of them were good things. Some of them probably weren't so good things. Some of them were very hard things, but no matter what, you know, he, 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 you know, he had your back. And if you just don't, the experiences you go through, as much as you might want to wish them away, don't. You know, try to, try to take the best from them and, and move on because you're probably being prepared for the next thing. Um, that's what I would tell my younger self. I doubt my younger self would have listened. <laughs> Well, Dr. Love, thank you so much for taking time here today. Thank you so much for talking with us today here on Moss Creek Conversations. For more about Carson Newman Tennis, you can go to cneagles.com and stay up to date as well with more episodes of Mossy Creek Conversations. Thank you.